we are looking at this topic today. What does it mean to reign in life? Now, everybody has the opportunity to reign in life, but very few people understand how to do it. What to do, how to do, what it even means to reign in life. And because we don't understand how to reign in life, we often find our avenues to fail in life. Everybody wants to reign over, over things that they can see and touch. Let me tell you, you would like to have your job in such a position that it was on almost automatic pilot. You, you would say you're reigning over it at that point. You would like to have your children in position where you reigned, you ruled them, and they would only do what it is you wanted them to do, act and say and speak like you wanted. And you, you, We all want that. But in the spirit world, very few people understand how to reign and actually be in control of their spirit world. As a matter of fact, we have many teachings in our day that say to us that, for instance, for all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. Let's don't ever overlook the sin factor. Because we're all, watch this word, bent to sin. What I'm going to tell you today is that God's plan could not have left you that vulnerable. Let me say that again. I'm not sure you heard me. God's plan could not have left you that vulnerable. Let's look into the scripture. Stand with me and honor the reading of God's word. Romans chapter 5, verse 16 through 19. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. For if by one man's offense, death reigned by one. Much, now look at this. Look at this, because this is crucial. Much more they which receive abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness. Let me make sure you heard me. Much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in this life by one Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We pray that you'll open our eyes, that we can see in our ears, that we can hear in our heart, that we can understand what the Word of God says to us. And then, may we apply it to our lives so that we can be changed in the image of your dear Son. Jesus, speak to us. Speak to us now. May the Holy Spirit, through your voice, reveal to us what we need to know, understand, do, and demonstrate. We will receive it. And we We'll release it to your people so that we can be corrected and changed, led, guided, shown things to come. And in all of it, we will give you praise in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, who is our high priest, our Lord, and our man in the Godhead. Amen. And you may be seated. If you look at verse 17, you're going to notice something there that is quite powerful. 
He said, much more, they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign, look at that now, reign in life. Now, where is life? Well, life is right now. If we are living, we are in life. Consequently, there is an abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness that has been produced by God so that you have the ability to reign, to rule in life. Now that's interesting. Com that's interesting commentary. When we look around and we hear the the modern day teachings about grace, and that grace covers it all, and you can live like you want to, or that once you're in grace, you're always in grace. That's interesting, because the abundance of grace matched with the gift of righteousness, makes you able to reign in this life. So what does abundance of grace mean? It means to take hold of something. It means that grace is so superiorly abundant, greater than anything you can imagine, greater than anything you can ask or think, because it activates in you a power of God. Now hold on a minute. If grace activates in me a power of God, according to Ephesians 3.20, in grace activating in me a power of God, then if grace has saved me, and grace is the activator that activates everything that God provides for you and me, and it is given to me in superabundance until I become the gift of righteousness that was given to us according to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 by an act that was an act of force done by Jesus Christ where he made you the righteousness of God. Then where in the world does all of our bent to sin come into play. Because what we're saying is that when we remain attached and living to sin and doing things that are in sin and operating sin in our lives, that the superabundance of everything that we were able to ask or think that is in Christ Jesus and activated by power that's in us don't work. Huh. Because we're not reigning by that superabundance, and we're not living uh, in, to reign by righteousness because sin is incumbent, inherent, and operating in us at a greater degree than grace. Huh? How could that be? Was God's plan, did it have so many holes? Of course not. Of course not. The superabundant ability of grace that brought about the great gift of righteousness was an infallible process, and I'm going to prove it to you today. Now watch this. Where did the gift of grace of righteousness come from? The gift of grace, we, we know, we know, began with the shedding of blood at the cross. We know that. When the shedding of blood happened, grace was dispersed into the world. When the blood fell into the ground, grace began to be the operation of God. Why? Because Jesus Christ was what? Grace and truth. John what? 
So here he is now, and he's shed blood into the ground. But where did righteousness become the factor? Well, we know that we had to follow Jesus to the, to, to the cross. We had to be crucified with him. Then we had to follow him to the tomb where we had to die to our flesh. Our flesh had to fall off, but there was something that we had to do next. We had to go into the region of the damned, follow Jesus in the Spirit. Now, someone said to me, Pastor, this just seems like it is all an instantaneous work that just happens because we believe. Let me share it with you. It would be so if Jesus stayed only at the cross and there was no record of his further movement through the spiritual world. We could then say everything that happened at the cross stays at the cross and we get it all right there. But that's not what happened. Do we not have in our Bible a story where Jesus went to the tomb? They wrapped him in, in, in grave clothes. They put the nard on him to preserve his body. They put the... the, the Stone upon the door, they put the king's signet on the door. Do we not have the story of those they sent to guard it? And do we not have the story that the next day Mary went to find Jesus in the tomb and he wasn't there? Neither were the soldiers. But there were angels there. So we have that story. So we know that Jesus Christ did not stay on the cross. He went to the tomb. Why? Because it's a historical fact. Now then, we know that it is a historical fact that Jesus Christ raised from the dead. We know that. That is written through the annals of history and recorded in your Bible. So we know that for us to teach the cross and the cross only is not the entire message of the plan of God. Now, if we stay in the cross, guess where we're going to stay? We're going to remain in that area where we can never reign. Did you hear what I said? We're going to remain in the area where we can never reign. Why? Because the cross is a place of sin and death. The cross is not the ultimate victory. The cross is the beginning. The cross is the place where we see the work of Jesus Christ in an earthly domain. And if we remain in the earthly, we will remain attracted and attached to the sin that remains there. But he didn't stay there. Why we want to choose to keep him there is beyond me. Why we want to have people telling me I'm living at the foot of the cross. For what? You don't need to live in the place where sin is. You need to pick up the blood and follow Jesus. You need to pick up that cross and follow Jesus because he didn't just follow himself with that cross to the, to the hill on Golgotha. He went to the next step. He went to the tomb. Then he went to the region of the damned, and we have a record of that as a matter of fact. We do one day a year every year where we say, it is Easter Sunday morning. So we know he did it, but we don't know why. Mm -hmm. We don't know why. We see Jesus 
as being resurrected. And we sing, He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. Don't we? And we have a sunrise Sunday service to say, Jesus, why? What did He do it for? What did He do it for? He did it so that you could reign. Because as you follow Jesus into the region of the dam, do you do it in your flesh? No, no. I want to say this again, and I've said it before. Your spirit man has had an action happen that you can't see. You couldn't see the fact that the Holy Ghost was convicting you and convincing you, but you got saved and something changed. You didn't see it, did you? No, it happened in the spirit world. What came out of that? A manifestation in the flesh. What was that manifestation? I don't live like I used to live. I don't do what I used to do. I don't act like I used to act. But people that remain in the cross and never cross over into the tomb and never go into the region of the damned, they don't get have the opportunity nor the understanding of how to reign in life. I remember years ago I went to work for Corning Glass. They put me on a job that was the worst job I've ever had. And it was a job that required much, 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 much training. Because what we were doing was making little oil filters for Chrysler Project. And it had to be tempered to such a weight that it would hold so many thousand pounds of pressure. And so they would train, they trained us and they trained us. And I, I, it was a lot. I finally figured it out, got it done. Well, there's a guy worked with me, never did. So he would sabotage the job every day. He would go in and take the boxes of tubes that were supposed to be put into that fire, dump them in the oil vat till the oil vat broke up, broke down, and then they would have to come and drain it. And by the time they drained it and restarted it, his shift was done. What an idea. Everything has to come with training. And you can subvert the training or you can move through the training. Now, Jesus Christ has given us a means to move through the training, and he's recorded it in the Scripture. So why must you, in your spirit, go into the regions of the damned with Jesus Christ? I'm going to tell you. Because there, in your spirit world, you must deposit the sin that you laid down in the flesh in the tomb. You have to take sin back to its origin. That's what Jesus did. He went to the region of the damned, and there he deposited the sin of the world. And there the Holy Ghost went down as he promised, God promised him he would. He said, I'll not leave you in hell. I'll bring you out of hell. And the Holy Spirit went and got him. And when the Holy Spirit got there, the spirit man that was preserved, I'm going to show you this next week, the spirit man that was preserved in him came back to life and Jesus went and walked through a paralyzed hell and took the keys of death and hell. Shook them in the devil's face and said, never again will any man come into this region. I'm going to lock the door. If any man comes down here, he will come because I cast him into hell. So here we are. We follow Jesus. Jesus taught it. Jesus said it. He said, pick up your cross and follow me. Where? To the crucifixion. To the tomb. To the place in your spirit where you deposit your sin. What happens then? 
This is a message the world doesn't understand. When you deposit your sin spiritually in hell, you put on a new garment. You eliminate the spirit of heaviness and the spirit of fear and the spirit of doubt and the spirit of lack and the spirit of loss. And you put on a new garment. That garment is called the robe of righteousness. Didn't you see it in my text today? You get an abundance, a superabundance of grace. What's it do? It forgives you and heals you at the cross. It buries your flesh and preserves your inner man in the tomb. It deposits your sin and your sin nature. And it buries it in a place where the doors are locked. And the only way you'll ever get your sin back is if you go down in there to get it. Think about that. You'll only get back to the muck and the mire if you go back to the muck and the mire. You hear what I'm telling you? If you go back to the muck and the mire, then you will also have to go back to the cross. What will you do? Paul said you will crucify Christ afresh. You will be responsible for crucifying him all over again. But when you go to the region of the dam and you deposit your sin with him, you take the keys of death and hell and lock the door of sin and say, I won't be back here again. Think about that. What a great message. We don't know it. We think everything about the resurrection was Jesus. No, 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 no. If we're going to reign in this life, we're going to have to reign in the robes of righteousness of which Jesus has produced and the Holy Ghost has reproduced in me. That's how we reign. We lock the key of mire and the key of mud and the key of sin. Now, the world doesn't want to do that. Why? Because they want to look like, act like, talk like the, the, the rest of the world. And they don't want to be known as being different. They don't want to be known as having something inside of them that changes, transforms them, and causes them to take darkness and push it aside. They don't want that. So they stay at the cross because it's handy. Yeah, it's handy. I can use the cross anytime I want to. That's called once a grace, always a grace. I can use the cross anytime I want to. I can say grace has done it all for me. It's handy. It's like a tool that a carpenter needs at the moment the carpenter needs it. It's a handy tool. You know, it'll do the work I need to get done. I'll stay here and then, boy, everything in my spiritual life be all right because I'm using the cross for what the cross is meant for. But you're not using the Word of God or the plan of God for what the Word of God and the plan of God is meant for. So now we go into the, 
region of the damned in our spirit man. We follow Jesus in there. We deposit our sin. We take on the robes of righteousness. We come out of that region of the damned. What are we? We're delivered. We're delivered from what? Sin. The only thing that you and I are going to reign over in the first three works of Jesus Christ is our sin. We're going to leave the old nature. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said the old nature is going to pass away and there's going to come a new nature. How are you going to get it? Jesus is going to do it by force for you. He's going to make you the righteousness of God in himself. Where did he do it? He did it when he resurrected from the dead. This is truth, friend. If you're going to reign in this life, you're going to have to learn to reign in what Jesus accomplished when he delivered you out of the region of the damned. You're going to have to come out in a robe of righteousness. Now the world would tell you right here that that robe of righteousness gave you all of the Holy Ghost that you would ever need. The world would tell you right here that according to Paul, you were sealed with the Holy Ghost. Well, my friend, you are. You are sealed with the Holy Ghost. There's no doubt about it. If you go to the, to, to the cross, to the tomb, and to the region of the dam and be resurrected from the dead and delivered, you are sealed in the Holy Ghost. But we must understand the Scripture. What does it mean? It means that there has been a down payment given. It means that from that down payment, the rest of the inheritance is available to you. You will not get all that the Holy Ghost can replicate in you just because you got saved and you buried your flesh and you deposited your sin in hell. That is not all that Jesus did. It is the place from where righteousness will open the door for you and hold open the door for you to be able to move in to the inheritance that is in Christ Jesus. We want to look around and say we don't need any more of the Holy Ghost than for Him to seal us. Not understanding that being sealed by no means indicates that the entire amount of the work of Jesus Christ has been reproduced in you. What does it mean then, Pastor? Well, may I show you? Look at the, look at the Scripture. It said much more. They which receive the abundance or the superabundance of grace and who have received the gift of righteousness. What do they do? They reign in life. What are they reigning over? They're reigning over their sin life. Now listen to what Paul said, and I'm gonna, I don't know how far this is down here, but I, I want to get to it because it's very important. This is what Paul said. Here is the scripture I'm referring to in Ephesians 1, 12 through 14, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ Jesus. Where did the first fruits come from? Did the first fruits come from the cross? No, they came from the resurrection. He was the first man risen from the dead. Do you see that? That was the first fruit of Christ. He was the first man risen from the dead by spiritual means. Now watch. 
in whom also we trusted after that year of the word of truth, the gospel of your what? Salvation. What do we know about salvation? It operates in six phases. Those phases start with healing, they go to preservation, then they go to deliverance. Now it is in those first three phases that you will come out reigning in righteousness. Why? Because righteousness is a force. It was a force that caused Jesus to be raised from the dead. It was a force that brought him out of hell. It was a force that closed him in righteousness. It was a force that closed you in righteousness. You must understand it, friends. If you don't understand it, you will simply live your life entangled and ensnared with the sin nature. God's plan is not that vulnerable. God's plan never was vulnerable. God's plan is impervious. God's plan has no loopholes. Man just refuses to come into them. Now listen to the scripture. Which is the earnest of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession. Now look at that. Do you see the down payment or the earnest? The beginning, when you go to buy a house and they say you've got to lay down earnest money, what's it do? It holds the house open for you. It is not now. If you choose not to buy that house, guess what? You lose your earnest money. You don't get it back. You're holding the door open. What are you holding the door open for? The inheritance. What is the inheritance? It is what is to come. It is not what I have done. That is just holding it. It is what is to come. The inheritance <laughs> until the redemption, the redemption of the purchased possession. What has been bought and paid for that has been purchased is now possessed. Well, we know that there's more to salvation than the first three steps. Now watch. See that verse right there, Hosea 4.6? Here is the reason that people are dying in our world today. They're dying spiritually. They're dying away spiritually. Now watch what the Scripture said, because this is very important. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because they have rejected understanding or knowledge. They've rejected the information that has been laid right in front of them. Now watch what it says. I will reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me. How many of you remember the next step after Jesus was resurrected? Priesthood. He said, your lack of knowledge keeps you from the very next thing that you must do to walk into my inheritance. Your lack of understanding, your desire to stay in the, the, the cross, your desire to remain in a message that tells you live any way you want to, God's grace is sufficient. Your message that says once you've been in grace, you're always in grace. That message is a lack of knowledge because it does not take you into the inheritance. The inheritance follows the first three works. Jesus died for you to be saved. 
Jesus died for your spirit to be preserved. Jesus was resurrected so you could rule in life by righteousness. Now, once you are ruling in life by righteousness, then you move into the next step, which is the place where you can worship and contact and communicate and praise and honor in the priesthood. And there, from there, you go into the smoke where you have been cleansed, refined, and purged, and you get to look just like Jesus. Now what happens? You're a joint heir with Jesus Christ. I ain't done yet. I'm almost there, but I ain't done yet. I want to be right here, and I'm going to close. Now watch what Paul says here, because this is critical. 1 Corinthians 9, 25-27. He says, And every man that striveth for mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. A man must strive and identify the mechanism that will assure a life of self... Huh? What? Self-restraint. A man must be sure that he is working and holding himself accountable to a life of self-restraint. That's what temperance is. He said, if you're going to strive for an incorruptible crown, you're going to have to bring yourself into the position where you deposit sin and operate in the superabundance of grace that brings you into the righteousness of God. And in so doing, then you will learn how to reign. How do I reign? I master myself. Huh, isn't this amazing? This ain't a job God does. This ain't a job God does. It's a job you do. What? What does he do? He masters his appetites, desires, and lusts. But I got to get to this one. Look what Paul says here in verse 26. Look what Paul says here. Paul does not say, God, therefore so runs. Paul does not say, Jesus, therefore so runs. Paul does not say, the angels, therefore so run. Paul doesn't say that, does he? He says, I, therefore, so run. I run with such a certainty that I know exactly what I'm fighting against. Now, everybody in this place is going to say, yep, I'm fighting the devil. No, you ain't. No, let me say it again this way. No, you ain't. You're not fighting the devil. You're fighting yourself. That's who you're fighting. You're fighting yourself. What did he say? I so fight, I not as one that beateth the air. Now watch it now. He's saying my battle no longer is with the devil. He's a defeated foe. My battle no longer is with hell. I've come out of there robed in righteousness. My battle is no longer with the demonic my battle is with me. I'm the one that's responsible for me. I am the one that's going to operate 
in the deliverance of which I have been able to go into hell and acquire because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. I therefore so run not as one that beateth the air. I know that I've got to bring myself. Look what he said. I keep my body under uh, subjection. That's my battle. If I'm going to rule in life, I must bring my body, myself, my mind. I must bring it under subjection, my emotions, my will, what I think about it. This is just how I am. I got to quit that. I got to bring it under subjection to what? The superabundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Ah, now we know how to reign in life. Now we know. Can't miss it. Can't miss it. Cannot miss it. Yesterday I took my wife out to eat. We didn't know where we were going, but we knew what we were looking for. Did you hear what I said? We didn't know where we were going, but we knew what we were looking for. So we rolled down the road, and I was in the right-hand lane. And all of a sudden, I looked off to the left, and I said, there it is. Sign for Texas Roadhouse. My wife wanted a steak. I wasn't arguing. What did I do? I went down the road a little bit till I could find a place to turn around. I went back. I didn't know where I was going, but I knew what I was looking for. You understand that? I saw the sign. And when I saw the sign, what was I able to do? I was able to go right where we wanted to go. And when I got there, I said, I, I think I'm going to find me a, a, a shady place to park. What was I looking for? Shade. What did I find? Shade. Why? Because I knew what I was looking for. Now, in life, my friends, you've got to know where your battle is. Your battle is you. Paul said, I keep myself under subjection. You're your own battle. You're your own element that grace and righteousness must bring under subjection. Then he says, lest by any means I have preached to others, and I become something that is of no good, a castaway, of no use. Now, what do you want to be with your life? Because the fruit of which you produce is going to tell the world who you belong to. If you, re if you reproduce the fruit of grace and the gift of righteousness, you reign in your own life. You are able to pull back on the appetites, the lust of the pride of life and the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh. You're able to say to them, no, 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 I am going to stand against you. I am going to use grace in superabundance and righteousness that has been given to me by the force of what Jesus has done so that I can rule what I think, how I feel, what I say, 
where I go, who I involve with, so I can rule it. Rule it. I said, rule it. Now, all those who tell you that sin is just a part of who you are, sin is just a part of your makeup, you just one who, you know, you're like everybody else, you've sinned and come short of the glory of God. You'll look at them and say, Lar, lar, pants on fire, hang them on a telephone wire. Why will you say that? Because that's not the plan of God. That is not God's plan for you. Never has been, never will be. That's what the world and the church has told you. The church has told you that looking like them is okay, but it ain't. Because that would have made the dynamic plan of God vulnerable. But it isn't vulnerable. Paul tells us that. This thing is not vulnerable. You can combat sin. He said nothing is going to come against you, but such as is what? Common to man. But God has made a way of escape. What is that way of escape? The superabundance of grace and the gift of righteousness from one who deposits his sin with Jesus Christ in hell and is resurrected with both grace and the righteousness of God. You ain't a sinner. You got no business sinning. You got no business living there. You got no business making excuses about it. Because every time you do, you shake your finger in God's face and say what you did wasn't enough. It ain't that way. God shakes His finger in your face and says, no, you haven't been far enough. <laughs> you haven't been far enough. What do you mean? You haven't picked up your cross and carried it far enough. Because if you carry it far enough, you'll find a way where you'll deposit that old nature and come out a brand new guy. Full of grace and full of righteousness. Bow your head and close your eyes. Father, I ask you to minister to the hearts of your people. I ask you to touch them today as your word has gone forward. I ask you to open our eyes to it so we can see. God, may we surrender ourselves to the message of truth so that we can out of a pure heart say, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb because of all that He has done to bring me grace and righteousness. Now, if you're in the house today and you don't know Jesus, that process is quite clear. You get forgiveness and healing of your spirit at the cross. Simply say, Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner. If you've not taken control of yourself, your flesh, if you've not deposited your sin and you're saying, God, I don't know that I'm living in the righteous condition where grace and righteousness are abounding in me. And simply say, Lord, forgive me. He's just, my friends. And He's righteous. And He will forgive you. 
And He will allow you to move into Himself and grow in greater grace, a superabundance of it. Show you how to become the righteousness of God and then put you in responsibility for yourself. And then if there's those of you in here that say, I want to go on. I want to pick up my cross. And I want to move out of the ceiling and into the inheritance that begins in the priesthood. That's me. Simply say it today. Now stand with me and let's lift our hands. Father, we thank you today for your word. For your word is rich and your word is real. May your word so be executed in our hearts that we are transformed into the power and presence of your dear Son. May it change us. May we be changed, transformed by the transmitted message of the power of God. We receive it today, Father. And we give you praise and glory for it. For I now know that I must work to keep my body under subjection to the grace and the gift of righteousness that has been produced in me by my deliverance out of faith. I now know that. I receive it in the name of Jesus Christ. I take it into my spirit. And I will guard myself from this day forward. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, will you? Now, those of you that are listening on Facebook, YouTube, Lift Him High Radio, Mike Spriggs, and FFC Podcast, if you don't know Him, simply ask the Lord to come into your heart. Say, Father, forgive me. What Jesus has done for me, I see it and I receive it. And I want to be saved. And I want to make Him Lord of my life. And I want to pick up my cross and follow Him from the cross to the tomb to the resurrection, into the priesthood and into His Lordship. And then I want you to baptize me, Father, in the precious Holy Spirit. Simply ask. He's faithful. I want to pray for you and all of those of you that are listening, that as I preach this message today, that you will begin to bring your body under subjection to this new revelation knowledge of what the resurrection has done for you and your freedom from the old nature by the force of what Jesus did for you. Now, Father, as I lift my hands towards this camera, I pray that you will move upon the lives of everyone that's listening, that you will touch them. God, that you will bring them in to understanding through the spirit of understanding what you're doing and what you have done for them. And that their lives may be transformed by the transmitted message of truth. And I will give you praise and honor for all of it in the lovely name of Jesus. Stay with us on Facebook. We'll be back tonight teaching at 6 o'clock. Come and visit us in Family Fellowship Chapel. If you can't be there, maintain your media ministry. And God is going to show you the wonderful revelations of truth that, frankly, the world may be missing. 
May God bless you with my prayer. Father, minister to everyone in the sound of our voice today. Keep them in the hollow of your hand. We will praise you now and forever in the lovely name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you for being in his house today.